I'm ready to preach. But before I preach, I, we have a witness. You know, sometimes uh, you'll hear uh, people, give a witness, make a witness what God is doing in the lives of the congregation or what people, what's happening in the life of the congregation. And we have two witnesses this morning. That's right, I hear it. Is there a witness? All right, send your witnesses up here, Caleb. Here we go. We have our high school kids went to camp this last week, and they are awesome. And here we got... Hey, I want to remind you guys, this is your church family. They love you. You don't have to be nervous or anything about what you're going to say. Just make sure, you know, keep it clean. <laughs> but they were in Catalina all week or for uh, most of the week, and they had a great time learning, growing, strengthening our life together. But I thought it would be so important and joyful for us to hear from them about what God is doing. So I asked, I have two questions for them. So what's the, what was the highlight for you? This is Moira Fitzpatrick. Miles Fitzpatrick, brother and sister. All right, Moira, are you going first? My favorite part of camp was hiking up to the cross and hearing everyone share about how God changed them this week. My favorite part of the week was hiking up to Avalon. It was very difficult for a lot of people, but at the end of the hike, looking down at the ocean and mountains, I felt accomplished, and I could truly see what God made and learn to appreciate it more. So you saw, you were on the island, and you saw how beautiful the island was. That just saw the mountains. What else? Did you see any fish? Did you go swimming? Did you go yeah. snorkeling? Yep. I saw four sharks. Four sharks. Yeah. You know, I would have added that to my thing. <laughs> Hi, Mom, Dad. We got, had a great time at camp, and we saw four. I went swimming with sharks. That's awesome. How many people were at camp? Um, there, there was like... Our church group, about 20. And then were there other churches with you? Yeah. I think there's like seven or You're talking seven, to here. No, seven other churches. Seven other churches. And you, did you sleep on the beach in the sand with sand crabs crawling all over you? Yeah. <laughs> I've been to that camp. No, you didn't. You had like a bungalows that you slept in. On the, did you yeah. hear the ocean waves crashing each night? Yeah. Ah, you sleep like a baby? No. No? <laughs> Babies don't sleep very well anyway, so... All right, so let's move on. What's the, what? You're out there, beautiful nature, God. You're with your friends. You're hearing great music. What are some ways that you were strengthened in your faith? Strengthen our faith by hearing how you were strengthened in your faith. All right, so my faith grew this past week because I truly realized God's love for me. I saw God's love in all areas of camp in my life. From laughing with my friends and singing in worship to climbing a mountain and looking down at God's creation. I truly never realized how many things in my life were all because of God. God showed me this past week that his love for me was greater than I ever imagined. I realized I didn't have to doubt anything because God has so much in store for me. And I finally felt the overwhelming feeling of trust in him because of his love. The speaker, Terrell, during the week really showed me that I was still a poser, that I was giving my life to Christ, but at the same time dancing with the devil. I fully and truly gave my life to Jesus this last week, and he also showed me that I don't need anyone else's love or approval in my life because I already had his, and that's enough for me. And his love for me and everyone else is really the greatest love of all. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right, Miles. So mine isn't as long as hers. But. 
Okay, the brother and sister thing is starting to come out, isn't it? <laughs> so my faith grew so much because of the music, the other students, and the love of one another that they shared. Just how the staff and people were so welcoming and, and kind that made me feel at home. All right, Miles. You know, God calls the church together to worship, to honor God with our lives and our witness and, and to give. And giving a testimony like this is a way to bless all of us. So thank you for blessing us. And thank you that God worked in and through your life and that you're going to be encouragement and you're going to go out into the world and be that encouragement. And the assurance of God's love in your life is an assurance for us too. I'm going to pray for you guys in the youth group. God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to encourage our young people, our youth group. Thank you for the ways you're working in and through their lives and the encouragement they bring to us. God, we pray for their protection. We pray for their opportunities to, to grow in together as a group, but also to grow in their faith in you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Guys, thank you so much. All right, you can go sit down. All right. You know, we are investing in the lives of our young people, and uh, it's showing, and thank you for your investment. You know, we, last uh, Sunday, we had Investment Sunday, and we had an opportunity to hear about how we can participate in uh, reducing our um, interest rate on our mortgage, and it was very uh, well attended, a lot of people involved. If you missed that, or if you want more information, uh, Michael Templeman, uh, a CPA, it will be in the Narthex after the service, and he was, he'll be there to help answer any questions that you may have if you want to participate in this great opportunity to invest in the future of Tribuco Presbyterian Church. Dear friends, we're going to begin uh, our, our message this morning. We're back into the book of Philippians, the letter that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to the first century church. He writes with joy to them. It's a reoccurring theme. He reminds them about the joy that they can experience together. And they, he says that how joy is the serious business of heaven. And how as citizens of heaven, we are now to carry and bear that joy in the world because we pray, remember we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So we bear that joy, we bring that joy in our lives, and Paul's going to remind the first century church here this morning and remind us that as citizens of heaven, we bear that joy. The church is filled as a citizen, represents and filled with citizens of heaven bringing that joy to the world. And now Paul turns his attention to the elements that will help foster a sense of that unfailing, that durable joy that he speaks about in their lives. How they can foster this unfailing joy. And he cites three things. And it's ironic, they all start with R. So it's going to be easy to write them down if you want to take notes I put in your uh, bulletin, the scripture lesson, but also there's room for notes if you want to keep those down. But the, the three important ways that as citizens of heaven, that they will reflect joy and foster joy in their lives and in their community life is to reconcile, to request, and to reflect. 
So he starts out in the first part. And Chris, I'm going to read the first part. And you can see it broken down in the paragraphs. And then I'm going to talk a little bit. And then I'm going to read a little bit more. And then talk a little bit more. You got it, buddy? Thanks. Here we go. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Two longtime church members are at each other's throats, and Syntyche and Iodia, and it's affecting the fellowship, it's affecting the congregation. Paul hears about this, and when he writes his letter and sends it with Epaphroditus and Timothy, he is sending a message to these two. It appears their first reaction is to pull away from one another. And so Paul instructs his co-worker to step in to help these two longtime friends, longtime companions, partners in the ministry to be reconciled. It's interesting that he, what he does, he, he doesn't get into the middle of it and start, you know, getting into the weeds. He doesn't take sides, does he? He doesn't add fuel to the fire. He doesn't belittle or shame. He pleads. He pleads. And he pleads for his companion to come alongside and clement. Now, when that word companion, some believe it's actually a person. Others believe he's calling upon the entire congregation to come alongside and to help these two reconcile, be reconciled. It's so important for Paul. He calls upon his friends to make a way forward for these two, to broker that reconciliation. Paul knew very well that the rest of the church would recognize when he says, my loyal companion, um, that it's them, that they are called to partner and to help reconcile these two that are at each other's throat. Why is reconciliation so important to Paul? Why is this the first thing he says when he desires to foster unfailing, a, a, a durable joy in their life as a community? Hear how he explains it in a letter that he writes to the first century church in Corinth about reconciliation. He says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation, so it's about identity, it's about their identity, a new creation has come, the old is gone, and new is here. All things, all this is from God, who reconciled himself, there it is, Reconciled himself through to us, through Christ, and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's important to Paul because it's a part of the church life ministry. We are called to reconcile that we go out and then reconcile others to God. God is reaching out to the world through his son, Jesus Christ, to reconcile humanity to himself and Paul reminds the first century church, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. So be reconciled among yourselves. You see, Paul says, 
God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, he says, are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through you. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God is making his appeal to the world through the church, a church that is reconciled. And it's so important to Paul that they be reconciled. These two friends of his, he says, and they, their names are in the book of life. It's a way of saying they belong to God forever. So when you see them, remember you're looking at somebody who belongs to God. If we're honest, there are times and ways and people that we have a hard time with and difficult time reconciling with. I know I have. I know we all have. In some ways, being reconciled isn't necessarily become bestie friends. It's just that whatever that division was, whatever those hard feelings were, there is a softening of it. And God is able to work in and through that. And then when you see that person, you're reminded that person belongs to God. You don't see someone you're upset or bitter at. You see somebody that belongs to God. That's what Paul's encouraging the first century church. If your joy is going to be unfailing, if your joy is going to be durable, and you flourish this joy, be reconciled. That's the first thing he says. The second thing he begins, as citizens of heaven, be reconciled. As citizens of heaven, you need to request. He says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is such a beautiful phrase, a beautiful verse. Guard your hearts and your minds. He's reminding them that God is putting a sentry around your heart and around your mind. By prayer and petition, make your requests. He says something about anxiety here, doesn't he? Don't be anxious about anything. That is almost impossible. How are we not going to be anxious about stuff? I'm anxious about stuff all the time. Paul, are you talking? Are you a real person? And yet, the time when Paul is writing, they knew anxiety. You know, especially within the Roman culture in the first century, in their religious culture, the gods and the goddesses that they feared. They worried that if they stepped out of line, that god or goddess would stamp them out. There was this whole uh, deity worship of, of Caesar. It was really complex and uncertain. People were walking on eggshells. Watch your step. This is not the God who has been revealed in Jesus Christ. This is not the God whom they learned about on the shores of the river in, in Philippi when Paul comes and teaches about the grace and the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ. 
the God who has come and died and rose again, Jesus of Nazareth. This is the God who inspired them to start a fellowship and to start a church. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, make your request to God. You know, Paul's not making sentimental bumper sticker phrases and warming fuzzy statements that deny the reality as Matthew was reminding us in that song we sang together, there are times that are very difficult. Paul is writing from prison, and yet he has the wherewithal about himself as he acknowledges the difficulties and the struggles that they face, that he faces. And yet he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. We pray, we sang that, the Lord is near. The Spirit of God is with us right now in this place and goes with us wherever we are. The Lord is near. Not a distant, a God who's distant, unconcerned, or too preoccupied with other things. Make your request known to God. The word anxious, it's an interesting word. It means harassing care. Harassing care. Peter uses the same word when he says, cast all your cares upon him because he loves you. He cares for you. It's also the word that Jesus used in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Anxiety harasses the human soul. And to experience this unfailing, durable joy, we need to give our anxieties and hand them over to God who cares about us, who hears our prayers. And we're not to give up on prayer. Jesus tells some curious parables about prayer, doesn't he? The one about the, the guy who um, all of a sudden has these unexpected guests that come to his house and knocks on the door, hey, we're here. And we go, well, we didn't know you were coming. It's the middle of the night. He invites his guests in. And he goes to the kitchen, and he opens up the refrigerator, and there's no food. So he goes next door, and he knocks on his neighbor's house at 2 o'clock in the morning, and the neighbor says, forget it. Go away. This parable, Jesus, is almost comic. Is that how God is? Go away? No. The point is persistence. Persistence. Eventually, the man comes out, yeah, here he goes, your food. Be persistent in prayer. Don't give up. Jesus says this is how we should pray, with boldness, with courage, daring prayers, held in confidence that God is with us, cares for us, is concerned about us. So we take our anxiety, take our worry, and we offer it up to God in prayer. Make your request known to God. Don't be shy. Don't hold back. Sometimes prayer can be a mixture of, of gratitude, but also concern and worry, but also, God, why? Where are you in the midst of this? That's good. That's okay. Pray those prayers. Make your request known. Offer up your petitions. Talk to God about the pains, the troubles, the hurts. Because if it matters to you, it matters to God. As citizens of heaven, dear friends,
we have blessings and benefit of laying our worries and our requests to God, knowing our loving God cares deeply about our concerns. There are a third aspect of citizens of heaven where we foster this unfailing, durable joy in our lives on a daily basis is also about reflecting. There's reconciliation. There's requesting and there's reflecting. Starting in verse 8, he says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. He calls them to reflect, to stay focused, on point, on the things that matter mo most. He instructs the congregation to focus on the, what is true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing. That which is commendable. We got to focus on what was commendable as our high school students shared with us. The excellent, the worthy things, the praise. Think about these things. Reflect on them. I don't know about you, but throughout the week, sometimes it's easier for me to maybe, and sometimes it's even more entertaining to reflect on the opposite rather than pointing to the beautiful. Oh, look at how that things going, or look at that part, look at those, you know, you listen to the news cycle. Their bread and butter in our news cycles is to point out all the deplorable, the falsehoods, the untruths, the unjust, the impure. You know, we're not, Paul's not saying reflect on these things and forget about the, the reality of the world, denying the reality of pain and the suffering of the world. He doesn't say that. Paul's in prison in Rome, or in a, in a Roman guard prison. If anybody has a license to complain, it's probably him, right? We think he could give, up, give him a pass on this. But Paul says, practice the virtues you have seen in me. Practice these things. Focus, reflect on the good, the admirable. The command is to think about the wonderful and beautiful things but how are these things in our lives? We think about the good and the beautiful of what God has provided for us. It fills us with gratitude. It fills us with joy and thanksgiving. Paul wants us to think about these things, to free, feed our minds on the good things in life that God has provided for us. The original idea that Paul is lifting up here is to take account. Okay, CPA, CPAs, this is for you. Take account, put it in your ledger, all the wonderful, admirable, truthful things God is doing in and through your life, or you're seeing God do in your life, or in and through your congregation. Keep track. Keep track of these things. Last week, I think it was last week, two weeks ago, we had um, some of our missionaries, Presbyterian Church USA missionaries who serve along the border in Douglas, Arizona. 
we had a wonderful time with them. And we learned about their ministry and how they're focusing on some of the root issues of what's going going on along the side of the border and the complex issues that all are there. And in the midst of the complexity and the uncertainty, they focus in on ministries of helping people establish themselves in, in this border town, in the village across the border, providing the services for children. They participate in a coffee ministry that makes, has jobs and is flourishing and, and opportunities for churches to be a part of. It's wonderful. Man, they could focus on all the, the things that are going wrong and who's at fault and blame and blame. They don't. They focus on the compassion and the grace and the love that God has built within them. And they are able to do ministries that bring a tangible difference into the lives of those they serve. As citizens of heaven, dear friends, we reflect on the true, the noble, the pure, the lovely, the admirable, the praiseworthy. With a promised result that God's peace will be with us. That God's peace will be with you. So think about your week. Think of the demands you have in your life, the uncertainties, maybe the difficulties. How are these things as you seek to be reconciled? As you make your requests, and as you reflect on the good and the admirable, how will that bring an unfailing sense of joy to your life? Paul is reminding the first century church it's available to them, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will be theirs. It will guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. So as citizens of heaven, dear friends, we're called to foster these things in our lives. If there was ever a group that was anxious and worried and concerned, it was the first disciples on the night that Jesus was betrayed. And they gathered in the upper room. And Jesus spent time with them, teaching them. He reminds them and says, I give you my joy that your joy may be complete. And as they reclined for the meal... He took the bread. He says, this bread is given for you, broken. This is my body. Whenever you receive this, whenever you eat this, remember me. And in the same way, at the end of the meal, he took the cup. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins, Whenever you take this, remember me. Dear friends, we participate in communion and this Lord's table, the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. We do that with stations. We'll have two stations, one here and and one here. And you come down the aisle and this way and then return there on the side. You come down here and you can return that way. And you come down here. How's that? Does that make sense? We might bump into each other. It's okay. We're God's family. We're loved by God. We're so loved by God that this table has been set for us. 
representing his son, Jesus Christ, and the gift that we have, and the nourishment that it brings to our lives as ambassadors, as citizens of heaven. Whenever we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we together proclaim the birth, the life, and the death of our risen Lord until he comes again. Gracious God, we thank you for this table that you have set for us to nourish our faith, to remind us that we are a forgiven people and we can be bold and strong in our prayers with courage and hope, knowing that you are a God who hears our prayers and we can deliver our anxiety to you and you take it and you guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus so that we can reflect on the good the honorable, the truthful, the wholeness that you bring to us with gratitude. In Christ's name we pray, amen.